So we have some good friends of mine here tonight, David and Adriana Cripps. Why don't you stand with your family? I've been telling you all about this church that we want to help get started. And uh, Lord willing, this will be the new pastor and his wife. So let's give them a welcome tonight. We're glad that they're here. And uh, I invited them to come over tonight just as a chance to get to know some of our folks. They will be here in our service on Sunday, July the 14th, and be sharing about their burden, what God's called them to do, and preaching for us that Sunday, so you get to hear more from them. But I thought when they come, then they won't be strangers, they'll be friends, okay? So and they'll be here for the service tonight afterwards. Make sure you get a chance to know them a little bit, introduce yourself, and uh, be praying for them. They're trying to raise their support as they go out to uh, start a church uh, not too far from us, and we're looking forward to how we can get behind them and help them in that process. So thanks for being here tonight. We're so glad to have you with us. And then we have a couple of different folks in our church who are involved in some mission team work this summer. And one of them is Brother James Collard. He spoke a couple weeks ago and gave a testimony. He leaves this Friday to go down to the Dominican Republic where he and some other men are going to be putting on baseball camps as they're in to be able to share the gospel with boys there in the Dominican Republic. They're in partnership with a couple of local churches down there that they'll be working with those pastors as they share the gospel with those boys to then be able to get them and their families connected into those churches. And so many of you have offered to bring some things to send with them, some different baseball supplies, hats, bats, gloves, shirts, whatever it might be, baseball items. If you still have those, make sure you get those up to the church this week. Or if you didn't know about it and you'd like to participate in that, speak with him tonight about that and then bring them by the church this week. He can come by Thursday and pick those up here at the church. So you don't have to try to find his house necessarily. You can just bring them here and drop them off at the church. And uh, then next Sunday, we're going to hear another testimony from another family that's involved in some mission work, the Ngoga family, and uh, Lord willing anyway. I know Simon's maybe doing some traveling and things, so hopefully we can work that out. But uh, we were supposed to do it a couple weeks ago, and I just, my, my brain was not working well, and I didn't get it done. But I want you to hear from them. They'll be going over to Rwanda, Uganda, I believe, as well this summer, and doing some work over there, and so we want to be in prayer for them. But you, would you join with me in prayer now, though, as we pray for James as he travels this week for God to give safety, and then for great opportunities to share the gospel, and as he works with those boys down in the Dominican Republic. Let's bow for prayer. Ask God to help us. Father, I pray for James. Keep him safe as he travels. Be with his wife as James is away. Encourage her as uh, she'll be here by herself for a, a couple weeks. I pray for James that you'd give him wisdom and strength as I know they'll be going hard from sun up to sundown and probably on even beyond that. I pray that you'd help him as he shares the gospel with those boys down there and teaches them about the sport of baseball, but help them to be able to use that as a tool to be able to share the gospel with many people. We pray for souls to be saved and for these churches to be encouraged and helped and that they could grow through these new families that will be a part of their church. Thank you for our church being able to partner with and encourage folks that are serving you both here in Houston as we think of the Cripps family and around the world. And I pray that you'd help these people as they go forward by faith and serve you, that you would bless them, encourage them, and help them. Lord, we look forward to hearing from the Ngogas and their testimony and their desire to serve you. We thank you for using them, and I pray that you'd help them and supply for their needs as well. 
bless our service tonight. We thank you for the great work that you did this morning. And Lord, we look forward to the service tonight and all that happens. But Lord, we want to give you the honor and the glory because without you, none of this would be possible. We love you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to dismiss out some of our boys and girls right now and our teens. They've got a class and various things they're going to be a part of. So adults, you get your Bibles out and ready. And my friend Brother Farrell is going to come and preach for us again tonight. I'm so glad that he was able to come and be with us this weekend. We had a wonderful uh, time of fellowship, just he and I on Friday night, and then a wonderful uh, men's event yesterday. And of course, wonderful service this morning. If you were here for that, looking forward to the service tonight. And I'm also excited to announce that Lord willing, looks like he'll be with us in a year to help us as we try to expand on our youth conference that we started this year. We kind of just did a one-day rally, but we'd like to expand that. We think there's a lot more teenagers that would like to come and be a part of that. And so we're going to expand on that, and I think he'll help us do that. But you be praying about that and how the Lord will help us to be involved. We've got one big challenge that we need to pray about. This year, we pretty much maxed out our facility here. So, Brother David was here. He knows we're going to need a different place by next year to have the youth conference. So, we need to pray that God will provide the right place for that, and uh, we'll see what God does. But, uh, Brother Farrell, you come preach for us tonight. Well, if you're glad for people who got saved this morning, say amen. amen. I appreciate the folks that you invited and asked to come and be a part of the service and it's excited. Is this your sword, brother, that I got? I don't want to steal that thing. I got a pen knife compared to that thing. So that's uh, good. And uh, we're excited for the way God's worked. You had some of your neighbors saved close by over here. And so that was very, very good. Go to Acts chapter 11 tonight, if you will, please. Acts chapter 11. Your good pastor's going to take me to the airport in the morning, flying to Shreveport, Louisiana, to go to... Ringgold, Louisiana, thriving metropolis of 14 horses and two dogs. And a place called South in the Christian Camping Conference Center, which is uh, where y'all met. You and Shandy met there. Yeah. We put a, quite a few couples together. 26 years ago, Carl Herbster and I started that thing, and it's still cooking. His son Mike is there. And so we're excited about that. It's camp season for me. Last week I was at Lancaster Baptist with the teenagers, and man, we had a heavenly hoedown. I mean, God just hijacked the whole place. And so at Southland this week, I go home and we'll be with my bride, and then I'm going to Camp Joy, Camp Kobiak, and the Wiles. You say, you're old enough preaching the nursing home. I know, but don't tell them that, okay? I'm booked in camps till I'm 70 years old. I'm going to race them down the aisle in my wheelchair. So as long as they'll come, I'll keep preaching. We'll have a great time in the Lord. I have thoroughly enjoyed being here. I'm so glad for you folks and glad for the potential that's here and all the opportunities that you're looking for in the future. And I hope that you'll continue to pray and support your pastor. Let him know, he and his wife, how much you appreciate them. And uh, I have also appreciated uh, Brother Mark Cover and uh, Anne-Marie as they have put me up at the Cover Hilton Hotel. I enjoyed being over there, and so thank you very much. They have a buffet breakfast and the whole business, and actually they run taxi service, so you can't lose. And I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. Let's stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God. And uh, Brother Collard, are you working with Brent Castile? Yes, sir. I, I smell that one pretty bad. Is he going to the Dominican with you? Yes. Well, good. 
Good. Brent, I knew Brent Castile before he ever got married, so that's been 100 years ago. You guys have a great time. I've been to the Dominican, and so this baseball thing's a great outreach. We have talked to him about going to Cuba with us because baseball's a big deal in Cuba. And brother, is it Dan? Uh, Dan yeah, this, this fellow right here, David. So you've come to Houston. Good for you. You and your bride, great. Well, and we're excited about these church planters, and I trust that God will use you in a very special way. You know, that's pretty good for a, a church plant that's two years old helping another one get started. That's babies having babies. That's not bad. And so I'm excited about that, and I just trust that uh, a lot of churches will pop up across Houston. This is a pagan town. vast majority of people are lost, and this probably will shock you, but the vast majority of people here have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And so I hope you'll do everything you can to help. I'm in Acts chapter 11. We're starting our reading down in verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus... And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. They sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord, for he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I told you this morning I was going to preach on Barney tonight. If you've not studied with me in the Bible, some of you walked out and came back and said, I wonder if he's going to talk about that guy with one bullet that's friends with Andy Griffith. Uh, no, I'm not going to talk about him. Some of the kids wondered if I was going to talk about the purple dinosaur. No, I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite characters, a fellow that I think when I get to heaven I will not have to be introduced to. I think I'll walk down the street of gold and say, hey, you are Barney. Come over here, i got to talk to you about some things I didn't totally understand about your life, but what I did understand about his life I like and want to emulate. So let's talk about how to be a Barney tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Word of God, the God of the Word. Neither will change, both can change us. And as we look at the man, we realize he was only a man, but he modeled Christ. And so may we learn from his life in Jesus' name, amen. In the book of the Acts, there's a very interesting story about an intriguing character who built his ministry on encouragement. When he was born, his parents named him Joseph. When he was born again, his peers nicknamed him Barnabas, son of consolation, Mr. Encouragement. He had a unique ability of lifting and helping people take their next step. You will find as you study through the book of Acts both his character and his conduct. A look at his character. We look down at verse 25 and you'll see this phrase. The Bible says, For he's a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added to the Lord. He was a good man. Uh, we're in the South. I was born and raised in North Carolina. I don't know how many times I've heard this. Well, he's a good man, but he's not saved yet. Then he's not a good man. Because there's none good but one, that's God. And you can't be a good man till you're God's man. And God makes you good. The reason he was a good man is because he'd been converted. Now, he might have been a nice guy, but he'd been converted, we believe, on the day of Pentecost. And he'd heard Peter preach, and God changed his life, and he was an impact player for the cause of Christ. He was an honorable man. 
The Bible goes on and says in the same verse of Scripture, he was full of the Holy Ghost. That means he was not only an honorable man, but he was a holy man. The Holy Spirit has come to make us holy people. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then the Bible goes on and tells us in the same verse of Scripture, and faith, who is not only full of the Holy Ghost, but is faith, and then we call that faith-filled or a faithful man. And in the Bible terminology, they called it hope. It wasn't this kind. It was this kind. And so here's a man who's an honorable man. He's a holy man. He's a hopeful man because he has total faith in God. And he's a helpful man because he's coming in to Antioch. And there's already a great move of God's Spirit, people getting saved. So he's going to help disciple and he's going to lead others to Christ. There's a little brief snapshot of what he was. Now let's look at some of the things he did. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts and go with me to chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. We're going to see a spiritual spark plug and how God used him in a great way. How many of you men have in your car a set of jumper cables? Would you raise your hand? There's usually two reasons for that. One could be the reason of the kind of car you have. And the other is because you want to help somebody in case in Walmart they get stuck. Well, let me tell you, if you've got a good charged battery for Christ, there's a lot of dead batteries in the church. So carry a set of jumper cables and be a minister of encouragement. Somebody said more people fail for lack of encouragement than any other reason. Here's our first little look at Barnabas in Acts chapter 4 and verse 35. Acts 4 and verse 35 the Bible says, And they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, and Cyprus, by the way, was a high-dollar island, having land, sold it and brought it the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So number one, you can be an encouragement through contribution. The church is a fledgling church, right, right in this passage. A lot of people don't have anything. And so they had community. And they said, well, these people don't have anything, so we'll sell over here and we'll make sure they have it because they are in the body of Christ. So here's a guy who had land. He sold it. And instead of putting it in the First National Bank of uh, Cyprus, he put it in the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. Amen. And that's a place that you can always clip coupons. Now the stock market, up and down. But there is a market run by God. And when you invest financially, you're always a winner for the cause of Christ. Luke 6 and verse 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. You want to have a good savings? Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. But I say unto you, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. So one of the ways that you can be a blessing to people in this local ministry is by way of contribution. If you find that another brother or sister may have been laid off of work or gone through a tough time, it's a good time to give one of those uh, handshakes that has something in it and encourage them. It's also a good time to maybe buy some groceries and to do some things of that nature. Uh, how many of you have ever been encouraged by finances given to you? Would you raise your hand? About everybody in the building. Uh, let me tell you how an evangelist lives. Most people don't know how we live, and some people who are in evangelism wonder how we're living. 
but there is a way. Now, the pastor draws a salary and should. That's good. It's biblical. My son just accepted a senior pastor today. They voted 95%, and so he will uh, be salaried. The missionary raises support, and churches give, and they know approximately what's coming in. The, the evangelist is fun because I have no earthly idea any week of my life what's coming in. Uh, you can ask your pastor, I ask for expenses in order to get here, and I have no earthly idea what you're going to give it. I don't know if he's given it all. But uh, that's up to you guys because we just trust God. When I first got into evangelism and uh, realized what God wanted, I was working for a camp called the Wilds. I had a salary such as it was and declared that God wanted us in full-time evangelism. Ken Hay, who we just buried a couple of months ago, was a dear friend. And he said, we're going to give you the old truck. It had a hundred and something thousand miles on it. And uh, he said, you can pay for the RV, which he sold me at a reduced rate. And my wife said, now this is wonderful. We're going to strike out an evangelism. How are we going to do that since we don't have any money? I said, you see that Honda out there? We bought a Honda so two could ride in one accord. Amen. I said, you see that Honda out there? She said, yeah. I said, we're going to sell that. That's how we're going to start Tom Farrell Ministries. So we sold it put the money in the nonprofit corporation that we were beginning. I was preaching for Ron Comfort in the Landmark Baptist Conference, and Don Sisk was there. And Brother, Will, uh, Brother Mark, you and I have been talking about him. One of the first times I met him, he'd just gotten back from Russia. It was 1990. He got up, talked about having been in Russia, and I missed his whole sermon. We, he, we're very close friends, and he laughs when I tell this story. I, I didn't hear another thing he said after he described Russia. Because I sit and doodled on a piece of paper and figured out how I was going to get over there. And so I went up to him afterwards. I said, I appreciate you, brother. I'll, I'll get, I'll get the uh, copy of this message, but i got to talk to you about Russia. So he gave me some names, and it wasn't long until some other guys walked up, and there was four of us evangelists to put a trip together. Now, have you ever decided you're going to do something and said to yourself, this is wonderful. How am I going to pay for that? <laughs> so I'm walking to the car thinking, yeah, I'm going to Russia. I can't even afford to go to Raleigh, North Carolina. This ought to be fun. So I left from North Carolina, drove to South Carolina to meet with my lawyer, and we were going to turn our corporation, 501c3 nonprofit. And so I made a, right, a wrong turn. It was actually a right turn. And where I thought the lawyer was, he was not. And so I walked in and I said, I think I'm in the wrong office. And she said, no, no, he's down about three doors. He said, this, the lady said, this is a real estate office. And I said, well, thank you very much. And about that time I heard my name. Farrell, is that you? Out walks the guy who runs the real estate office that I haven't seen in 15 years. He said, what are you doing down here? And I said, I'm looking for attorney so-and-so. And he said, you got time for coffee? I said, sure. So we walked in and sat down and we drank a cup of coffee. He said, tell me about your ministry. Tell me what you're doing. And I told him. And he said, God's speaking to me. I always love it when God speaks. He said, I'll be right back. And so he went in and he wrote a check and he came back and he had it in his hand. And he said, use this to go to Russia. You say, well, did you look at the check? No, you don't do that. You wait till you find the first little boy's room you can find and open it there. That's what you do. <laughs> and so I went down to the restroom, opened the thing up. It's $200. And I gave God a wave offering. Glory! I mean, I was having a fit in the men's restroom. And I said, well, God, if you can provide 200 in a few hours, and you can provide all I need. And in the next, oh, five to six weeks, I never sent out a fundraising letter. I never got on television and said, if you don't give me money, God will kill me. I never tried that nonsense. I just figured God would provide. 
And God sent in over $10,000. And it did just one offering after the other. So we were able to ship in 27,000 copies of the Word of God. And then when we got there, we started going to the different churches, the unregistered churches. And <laughs> the guy told me, he said, bring it all in cash. I said, yeah, you don't want me to go home, do you? You want me to go home and be with the Lord? So I had this cash and uh, we would go in and he would say, this is Brother Farrell and he's an evangelist and some people have sent some offerings. And I was never so glad to get rid of money in all my life. And I remember when I gave the last away, he said, why did you do that? Because that's what it was given to me for. It wasn't given to me to stay in my pocket. It was given to me as a conduit in order to bless other people. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if God can't trust you with money, He can't trust you. Did you ever read Luke chapter 16? If you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon or finances, God will never entrust to you great riches. When I was in Bible college, and Brother Cover, I'm sure you remember this guy. His name was Walt Fremont. He was one of the most exciting professors we ever had. He had an earned doctorate that never went to his head. He had a heart as big as the Grand Canyon. He would always do unique things. One time he walked in and said, let us pray. And when we lifted our eyes and he said, amen, he had his foot up on the preacher's platform and his sock was off and he was stroking his foot. We all thought he'd lost his mind. He said, look at it. That's a beautiful foot. I preached the gospel yesterday. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach it. That's the kind of guy that he was. Well, one day he walked in, slammed both doors and with his number 14 brogans, walked up and kicked the table and said, let's pray. And when he said, amen, he looked up and said, flying five. Everybody's looking at him. Flying five. And we thought, what is a flying five? He said, ladies and gentlemen, there are people on this campus that don't have any money. Get $5 and give it away. Put it in an envelope. Put it in their post office box. Slide it up under the door. When they're not looking, put it in their Bible. you find out whether or not they're having devotions. Flying five. Flying five. And it caught on man and all across the campus, $5 bills were going everywhere. He said, that's a great idea. Not today. We got inflation. It's flying 50 today, folks. <laughs> and you could bless somebody just by investing in their lives. So Barnabas was the kind of guy, he didn't hoard his resources, he invested it. You can be a blessing by way of contribution. Take your Bible and go to the book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter number 9. We're going to learn how to be a Barney, how to be a blessing, how to be an encouragement. And look down at verse 26 of Acts chapter 9. And the Bible says, When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but... They were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Let me explain that. If when Osama bin Laden was alive, the news media carried this story. Osama bin Laden has been converted to Christianity. Everybody in the United States say, right, sure, uh-huh. Well, that's what they thought of Saul. You see, you didn't want to hear the word Saul. Because if you were a Christian and you heard his name and he was close by, you're in big trouble. You were going to jail or you were dead. We would call him the terrorist of his day. Now he has genuinely been converted. And the Bible goes on in verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto him how that he had seen the Lord in the way and how he had spoken with him and how he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of the Lord Jesus. So number one, you can be an encouragement by way of contribution. Number two, by way of commendation. And this is an interesting thing. From a human standpoint, now God does what He wants to do, but from a human standpoint, 
You'd have never heard of Saul if you hadn't heard of Barney. You think of the most rejected man of his day, it would have been Saul. You think of the most respected man in the church, it would have been Barnabas. So here's Barnabas saying, he's the real deal. He's been genuinely converted. I've talked to him. He's met the Lord. And some of the disciples are going, yeah, but every time we hear about him, it's something bad. So he was his campaign manager. Did you realize that you can encourage people not only with your wealth, but with your words? Let's take another vote. How many of you have ever been encouraged by what somebody said to you? Job 16, 5, I will strengthen you with the words of my mouth. Amen. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's an interesting verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You ever heard this? Sticks and stones may break my bones. Words may not. That's the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life. People get well over broken bones far quicker than nasty negative words, trust me, because they're wounds. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and pleasant to the bone. You know where your blood is made? In the bone marrow. And I've learned a whole lot about it since my wife got leukemia. And when that bone marrow is not producing right or overproducing, you're a sick person. But here's what God said. If you'll learn to commend people and to say good things about people, both behind their back and to their face, you can be a great encouragement. People have asked me, how did you get into evangelism? I got dropped in on my head. That's how I got into evangelism. I was working for the Wiles. My wife and I had just gotten out of school. Ken Hay, that I've mentioned before, called me in one day. I think I was 20, maybe 23 years old. He said, Tom, can you preach on Sunday at Temple Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina? And I looked at my calendar and I didn't have anything booked at all. I said, yeah, I think I can handle that. And uh, I said, why would you want me to go? And he said, because I double booked. He said, I'm supposed to be over here. And I promised this guy, and I've already called him and he said if he, if, that he would have you. And I said, okay. And my next question was, how many times am I supposed to preach? He said, three. Now some of you are saying, why did you ask that? Because I had five sermons. That's why I asked that. And I said, three, that leaves me two to spare. I believe I can handle this. And so the pastor, Joe Olache, a Cherokee Indian, great guy, was out of town preaching the islands. And I preached Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We had people saved. A few days later, he gets back, no cell phones on that day, and he calls, and I get on the line. Are you Tom Farrell? Yes. He said, all I've heard is about those messages Sunday. I want you to come to a meeting for me. And I said, well, I appreciate that, but it's probably not the will of God. I didn't tell him only had two sermons left. I just said, it's probably not the will of God. And um, he said, well, I, I, I want you to come. And I said, well, sir, I only get one week vacation per year. He said, when is your vacation? I said, December. He said, fine, that's when we'll have the meeting. I could not get rid of this guy. And I said to him, well, I, I, I'll pray about it. The next day he drives out an hour, walks up to where I am and said, hi, I'm Joel Oche. And you're Tom Farrell, and you're supposed to come do a meeting for me. This guy will not leave me alone. And I said, sir, well, I'll just be honest with you. I got five sermons. I've already preached three. I've only got two left, and you want to go for a week. He said, no problem. You got two, get five more. See you at church. <laughs> that was Joe Olajay. And so we went, and my wife and I had the time of our lives. Brother Olajay was my friend until he went home, be the Lord. And when I got through the meeting... Uh, he said, son, I love you. God's going to use you. And he picked up the phone and started making phone calls. 
That's how I got my start. He said, now you need to have this young man. Nobody had ever heard of me. I wasn't sure that they knew about me in heaven at that point, but nobody ever heard about me. And all of a sudden my phone's ringing because he rang the numbers. Let, let, me, let me say something to you. If God ever uses you, don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you started. I preached many meetings with him, and I caught wind that he was in, moved from Asheville to Florida, and he was dying, and so I had the opportunity to call him about three weeks when we went home to be the Lord. I said, Doc, this is Tom Farrell. He said, Son, I love you. I said, Sir, you helped me get my start, and I'll never forget you. And I just want to say thank you. So I have a question. When you talk to people, are you negative or positive? Is a person's reputation safe in your hands? What do you say about people? Be careful. Be careful. You really don't know what they're saying about you. So be careful. So you can be a blessing by way of commendation, by way of contribution. Go back to Acts chapter 11. We're just getting some snapshots of the spiritual spark plug. And look in chapter 11, this is where we start, and look down at verse 23. They've taken Barney from the home office in Jerusalem. And everybody's been hearing about these pagan, heathen Gentiles that are getting converted. Remember, Jesus told them to do Jew first and then to the Gentile. So the home office is going to send Barney to check up and see if this is a real deal. Today I call them the FBI, Fundamental Baptist Investigators. They're always checking up to make sure everything's just right. Did you sing the right song? Do you have everything, you know, is it just right? I could care less about the FBI. I'm only interested in the king of the ages, and if he's pleased, everybody else can take a long walk off a short pier. But if you just get excited about that, so here comes Barn. Now, when he gets to Antioch, I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse 23. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God. Paul there for just a minute. I have a question. How do you see God's grace? Oh, there it went. How do you see God's grace? You ever stop thinking about that? You will see the grace of God by transformed lives. So he gets into these pagans who are now pilgrims. And he's probably got his mouth open. He's going, man, they got it. A tremendous testimony. Now watch what he, how he responded. Look down in the verse because words mean something. When he saw the grace of God, he was glad. He wasn't mad and he wasn't sad. Now, brother, Will, let me say something to you. I'm praying that God will let this place explode. Okay? But just in case there's another church that's actually grows faster. Get excited about the grace of God wherever you see it. And rejoice in every person that comes to Jesus. Never be jealous. Always be joyous where God's working. Always get excited. So the third way that you can be an encouragement is by way of celebration. Get excited about God's blessing on somebody else's life. If somebody drives in the parking lot of the church with a brand new car and you're roll starting your old rundown Volkswagen, is that okay? If somebody is elected a deacon and you're not, is that okay? Mm. 
You see, if you get the green-eyed monster of jealousy, it will destroy you and everybody that's around you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, God says, Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Here's what I'm convinced of. A lot of people don't know how to rejoice when people rejoice because they've never wept when others were hurting. I have a friend, some of you will know, I'll use his first name, not his last, and let you do the rest in your mind. This buddy of mine and I were both in evangelism, and we were in India together. And he said, the third day we were there, I never ask anybody after a long trip, how are you? The answer is tired. And so after three days, I said, Steve, something's wrong with you. You're just not acting right. Well, he said, when I left, my wife, Terry, was not doing well. She had a growth, and you always wonder if it's cancer. I said, well, that's serious. We get out and pray. We're having a lot of people saved. And then there was a war that went on between the Muslims and the Hindus. We were never in jeopardy. But Brother Matthew Thomas looked at us, and he said, you're white boys, and you're in big trouble if it ever breaks loose. We're sending you home. Well, you don't have to tell me that but once. So American Airlines flew us home early at no extra cost. Steve and his family were in Denver, Colorado. My wife and I were in Kansas City. It was before cell phones. And I'd gone to Walmart, Walmart and came back, and my wife said, Steve calls something's wrong. I called him back. I said, Steve, this is Tom. What's going on? And I heard him say, Terry has, and if you've ever had to use that word, you know you just kind of choke it out, cancer. And I said, buddy, we're going to stand with you. We're going to pray for you. God's going to see you through. And uh, interestingly enough, he did. And uh, God continues to work in their lives in some very unique fashions. About, I, I said to him on the phone, Steve, when you walk through the fire, walk carefully because a lot of people are watching. And I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Your ministry is going to explode. He said, do you think so? I said, no, I know so. Because people identify with hurting people. So walk carefully through the fire. Well, he called me about a year later and he said, Tom, I'm not sure what to do. He said, I've had three Bible colleges call me and want to give me an honorary doctorate. Now, if you don't float in our circles, let me explain that. An honorary doctorate means that they would like to honor you in the ministry for faithfulness over a period of time in spite of tough circumstances. It's, it's, it's quite a good honor. And uh, I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, you didn't hear me. I said, there's three Bible colleges on three different weekends that want to fly us in and honor me. I said, I heard everything you said. I said, the next time I see you, I'll call you Dr., Dr., Dr. Steve. That'd be great. I said, if you get 50 of them, I'll go, Steve. Let me tell you something. If you cry with a guy because his wife could have died, then you can rejoice with a fella when God honors him. Now, I'm not just preaching this message for tonight, so you better listen carefully. Some of you are the original Mohicans. You're helping this place get off the ground. Now, if you'll learn how to cry together, and you'll learn how to hurt together, you will never be jealous. But if you don't learn how to hurt together, and somebody gets honored in a different way, that's where church splits come from. And the last thing you want is the body that God's putting here together to be crippled. So learn early how to pray with each other, cry with each other, love each other. And when God does something exciting, explode and rejoice.
with them that rejoice. Well, let's look on because here's a fourth way that you can be a blessing. And that's down in chapter 11 and look down at verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and, a, and uh, faith, and much people was added to the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he found him, I'm in 11:26. he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Jerusalem. You better read it. They were first called Christians where? Well, now how in the world could they be called Christians? They're a bunch of heathen that just got saved. Well, God was doing something. Always rejoice where God's working, even if you don't totally agree with everything that's going on. So now, Barnabas says to himself, this discipleship, this follow-up, this evangelism here in Antioch is over my head. I need help. Blessed is the man who knows what he doesn't know. Blessed is the man who knows when he needs help. So he goes to Tarsus and he's looking for Saul and Saul comes to the door. Barney's always show up at unique times. And he said, Barnabas, what are you doing here? Saul, you hadn't heard? Heard what? Do you know what's going on over in Antioch? They're getting saved right and left. We're having so many people saved. I can't keep up with it all. I need you, boy. Go get you another set of sandals and an extra toga and follow me. Now that's in the original language. And so I see them as they're walking. And I can almost hear Saul, now Paul, say, Well, Barn, what do you want me to do? Can I sing a solo? Sure. Uh, can, can I give a testimony? Sure. We don't be if I preach a little bit? Sure. What most people don't see in this passage is what I believe Barnabas had in mind. Because the fourth way you can be a blessing is by way of cooperation. Now stay with me. Until you get to chapter 13, you're always going to read this phrase, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul. And then in chapter 13, you're going to read Paul and Barnabas. Do you want somebody to succeed at your expense? Do you want somebody to exceed your position? Mm, we were having fun. Now we're all of a sudden considering things here. Luke 22, 27, Jesus said, I'm among you as he that serves. Mark 10, 43, whoever be the greatest among you, let him be your servant. Let me tell you what a servant is. I told the guys last night, a servant sacrifices himself for the success of somebody else. Uh, I don't know, <coughs> so I'll ask, who, who are Sunday school teachers here? How many Sunday school? What, oh, you, they're teaching now. Okay, all right. Who teaches adults? Some of those guys are back here. All right, now, how many of you go, do you call it Sunday school? What do you call it here? Sunday night Sunday school. Okay. How many of you go to a class? Okay. Now, notice there's a few teachers and quite a few students. But did you know you could be a major asset to the class. You say, how can I do that? Well, it's real simple. If somebody else is teaching, encourage them with good words. Thank you so much for studying. I learned something I didn't know. Appreciate that. Going to apply it to my life. Two, call people about coming to the class. Hey, don't forget, 5 o'clock Sunday night. Three, you could be the person who provides coffee and donuts. Now, I have to ask a question. 
Is there a Krispy Kreme in this town? Well, God will forgive you for that. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about donuts. I'm not talking about this other stuff. How many of you have ever had a Krispy Kreme? Can I see? Oh, see there? See there? You got outvoted, preacher. We love you, but you got outvoted on that. You better just stick to preaching, not. <laughs> Woo! When I was growing up, Krispy Kreme, man, I'm telling you what, I just had to have those things. When I pass by and see that light on, it's the will of God to stop, I can tell you that. You know the definition of a balanced diet? It's a Krispy Kreme in both hands. That's what it is. And uh, get you some Krispy Kreme donuts and then Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Kurt Skelly and I agree on that. I'm going to start a new restaurant. I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. Never have, never will. But I don't like the coffee at Krispy Kreme. So I'm going to start a new restaurant called Dunkin' Cream. And I'm going to get the best coffee and the best donuts. Amen. That's a good idea. And so be there and welcome people. You, you can, by cooperation, you'd be surprised how you can help people. I was preaching in Wisconsin, and uh, we had a WWF show up. They call his name Bad Boy. You ever meet him? <laughs> he is one monster. Well, they had two services. He is called on Saturday night. Can you come and be a part of a friend day on Sunday? Now, you've got to get this story or you will not understand why it's important. Twice he tried to overdose on pills and kill himself. Saturday night he has a loaded 38 with the, with the hammer back. He's going to put it in his mouth and blow his brains out. And the phone rings. He told me the story himself. The phone rings. This is a guy he'd worked with. Sure like for you to come. And he said, okay, I'll be there. He uncocks the gun and he said, if there is a God, I'm going to go find out. He'd never been in church in his life about 34 years old. Well, he pulls in at the time we're letting out the first service. Large congregation. And so when he pulls up, there's a guy motioning him over to parking. And so he rolls the window down. He says, is everything done? Oh, no, no, no. There's just the first service. We got a second one. About that time, a little granny comes out and she says, you've never been here before. She said, you come and be my guest. He got treated so well, it scared him. He told the story. 